You're listening to episode 51 of The STEM Space. Do you know those kids in your class that take over every conversation and then so many of your other students just never talk at all? I'm going to share ideas on how you can give a voice to everyone, give everyone the confidence to pitch in and share their ideas. Tune in. Hey, I'm Claire. And I'm Natasha. From college roommates to co-founders of Vivify STEM, pull up a seat as we discuss our experiences as aerospace engineers, teachers, moms, program directors, curriculum writers, graduate students, and friends. This is the STEM Space Podcast. Hey, Natasha. Hey, Claire. How's it going? It's been good. It's the start of the semester, so... Just getting going, hitting back into the books and readings and classes and all the things, but it's going well. How about you? Good. I feel like my students forgot everything, which they, you know, is pretty normal, I think, over Christmas break. But we're finally getting back into the swing of things, and I'm trying to be more intentional about giving them more voice in my classroom. And what I mean by that is we've talked in previous episodes about how when you provide more constraints, it actually boosts their creativity rather than what we kind of think of more constraints means less creativity, right? Right. Well, I'm trying to make my classroom more available for students to all want to pitch in and speak up instead of having like less confidence in their answers. And to do this, I've provided more structure to allow them to have more freedom in how they talk. Are you following? I am not following, (laughs) but I am intrigued. So, but I have to pause you here because this is the topic of my session at STEMCon. So I'm taking notes because maybe I will add some of this because the session is about student voice in a STEM classroom. (gasps) So I have my take on this topic and I'm really excited to hear how you are doing this. Ooh, so okay. I'm excited to learn your take as well. So I'm going to talk about some things that I also mention in my cultivating creativity and STEM, STEM con session. So we can combine and hopefully people will go and register for STEM con and they can see the full explanation from both our points of view. But I do want to explain what I mean so you're not totally confused. So as I've probably mentioned before, every class period, I start with some sort of riddle or something that I initially did to get kids' brains moving and thinking, thinking critically, and also to help them start asking meaningful, good questions instead of just, I don't know. It's like, we'll think about it for a minute and then ask good questions. But a lot of times kids just won't because they're like, oh, what if I say something dumb or ask a dumb question, right? I mean, I've I have confidence issues, so I totally can relate to the students in my class. But I think the more we practice this and the more I encourage it in intentional ways, the better the outcome has been throughout this year. So I'm going to ask you some of the riddles that I start with. Are you cool with that? Yep. Had no sleep last night, but I'm ready. (laughs) Good. That makes you more open to asking good questions. (laughs) Okay. So usually I start with some kind of riddle. Last year, I did voting where I put something up on the board related to the topic that I'd be teaching that day and had students, every student had to come up and vote on what they thought the answer was. But this year, I wanted it a little bit more open-ended. So I ask riddles and they're usually, what am I riddles? I'm going to ask you two. First one, 
I am light as a feather, yet the strongest person can't hold me for five minutes. What am I? Um, air? Ooh. You're on the right track, but more specific. I'm stuck with air. I don't know. Well, what's interesting is you do what the students do and start jumping to giving answers. I was supposed to ask questions. So that's what I try to encourage, which I mean, still, they're like, oh, I have all these guesses. Like, well, yeah. ask better questions and then you'll get the answer quicker. Okay. So it's not air. All but... right. So is it something you can physically hold? No. Can I ask non yes or no questions? Absolutely. Oh. Please. Uh, what color is this object? It is invisible. Is it made up of elements on the periodic table? Uh, it is not imaginary. So yes. <laughs> but it's invisible. It is not air. Um, I didn't say it was not made of air. But it's invisible. Mm -hmm. Which is air. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this works better when there are more people that can help ask questions. <laughs> yeah, it really does. <laughs> I'm having to do all the heavy lifting here of this thing that I can't hold because I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, are there any other hints that you can give me? <laughs> that is not a question that you can ask. But in a wait, in is it human made? Ooh, yes. Is it a recent um, kind of? Ooh, kind of. Mm -hmm. Does it exist in the natural world without yes. human intervention? Yeah, well, it requires a human to produce it. <laughs> <laughs> I just had the most ridiculous thought. Ooh, say it. Ridiculous thoughts are good. Is it a fart? <laughs> You know what? I will accept that answer because I think that works. Yes. So the answer I was looking for was breath, your breath. Which I feel like I had one. Okay. So that is exactly the answer that I should expect from students. So well done, Natasha. Thank you. <laughs> I win the round. <laughs> I'm ready for the next one. <laughs> so, which actually, this has been debunked. I asked my husband this question and he was like, no, people have been able to hold their breath longer than five minutes. So I did have to fact check that because I didn't make up this riddle. It came from the internet, but apparently somebody's held their breath for over 24 minutes, which that blows my impossible. mind. Wow. Huh. But I think... <laughs> I don't know if you can hold a fart for a hey, That's a whole other rabbit hole. We're not going to go down. Yeah, we digress. Yep. So here's another one. <laughs> okay. You see a boat filled with people. It has not sunk. But when you look again, you don't see a single person on the boat. Why? Okay. So I'm looking. There's a boat of people. And then mm -hmm. I look away. Yes. And then and I look, look back. Yes, and you don't see a single person on the boat. Is this in real life? Yes. Okay. 
Um, so I'm not supposed to start guessing. You said to ask questions, right? That's right. Yes, we want to encourage good questions. Um, what is the weather like? That does not matter. It can be in any weather. Is this a, uh, trying not to ask yes, no. What kind of boat is it? That also doesn't matter. There are just people on the boat. How many people are there? Um, an unknown quantity. Do I change my position? No. You can still see it clearly. Do the people move? They could, but it doesn't matter. Oh, okay. So obviously <laughs> they don't just jump out of the boat. Oh, no. how long, how much time has passed? Ooh, that also does not matter. I hate this. <laughs> Is that how your students feel? So, just frustrated? Yes, they get really frustrated at me. Especially because the answers I give sometimes are, are pretty vague. But once they get the right question, then it really helps. So usually with this one, I'll throw a hint saying, listen carefully to the words as I read you the question. So I'll read it again. Okay. Listen. You see a boat filled with people. It has not sunk. But when you look again, you don't see a single person on the boat. Why? All I can think of is C could be S E A, like a C. No. No. Okay. And I do right. put this up on the board so they can oh, actually. Oh, that would read help. It. Okay. Yes. I don't know. I'm stumped. Okay. So then I have to emphasize that you don't see a single person on the boat. Did that? Oh. Help? Oh. So like, they are actually still there. Like you don't see just one person on the boat. Like it started with like five people and then you look again and it's still five people? It could, yeah, possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You Is stuck? that the answer? I don't know. No. Nope. Single, so, like married? Partner? Yes. Oh. There you go. There you go. Yes. They're all married. You don't uh, see a single person on the boat. <laughs> yeah. So good one. So we just spent a lot of time <laughs> trying to guess my, my silly questions. But the point is, do you see how you can continuously get better about asking the right kinds of questions? And once people start throwing out like ridiculous answers, the more students feel comfortable about just throwing out whatever pops in their head. And that's what I really want to encourage. So I did this recently and you can see in our, on our TikTok and on our reels on Instagram, where I did the, who has the hat trend. Have yeah. you seen that? <laughs> I know. I'm so excited. Um, that video was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So that was probably one of my favorite ones that I've done because the kids got so frustrated and because it changes every time. It's not just a riddle where there's, they, they can just sit there and figure it out, but they really had to pay attention. And so the premise is, can I, can I give away what this is? Surely people, you can Google it. So I'll just say it. Yeah. Okay. It. So what you do is you say, I have a hat. And then you start describing how the hat travels around the classroom. So you start calling out student names. Be like, I have a hat. I give it to Molly, who throws it to Lexi, who hands it to Cross, who gives it to Travis, who has the hat. So the idea is kids will just start throwing out ideas of like, oh, well, obviously Travis has the hat. Like, no, you have the hat. And so hopefully they start figuring out, wait, like I guessed, and now you're saying that I have the hat because the person who speaks first after you ask the question who has the hat is the one who has it. So it's about paying attention, listening, but guessing, 
giving them more opportunities to just throw out random answers and get more comfortable about doing so. And I imagine the person that always talks, if there, if you have a class where there's like that one kid that's always speaking first, it's going to become obvious because you're, they're always going to have that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that's, that's the person who I never say in that sequence of people who have the hat, because I know that they're going to be the off person that talks <laughs> first. Yep. They're like, well, how did I have it? I wasn't in that. Okay. <laughs> Think about and I that. like it whenever it's like, and then you throw it out the window. Who has the hat? Yeah. Mom has the hat. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yes. a fun one. Yeah. So definitely try that one if anybody hasn't before, because it's hilarious and really gets your kids thinking. So in light of all that, what I'm talking about is giving students a voice in your classroom by providing constraints. So another tool that I've started using which has been really fascinating and really helps in the brainstorming phase of doing the engineering design process is using the six thinking hats. Have you ever heard of this before? I have not. No. Okay. So there was a man named Dr. Edward de Bono, and he is really famous for all of his ideas and being kind of a pioneer in thinking as being a skill. So before his time, People didn't really think of thinking as a skill that you can develop and refine. Mm. He is also really well known in creativity. He wrote several books on creative thinking, how to be more creative. And anyway, I, I could go on and on about this guy, but he coined this phrase or this methodology called the six thinking hats. And I've used it in the classroom. I know it's been used to even consult with companies who are trying to tackle different problems. And this is how it works is that there are six different colored hats. They're not like actual hats, kind of like the who's wearing the hat oh, um, okay. game. So there, it's just kind of an idea. And what you do is each color, there's six hats, they're all different colors. Each color represents something. And when you're sitting all at a table and trying to find solutions or generate solutions or ideas that relate to a problem, you want to be able to look at it from different perspectives. And so each of the hats represents a different perspective. So I'll assign a different color hat to different students that are in a group when they're discussing brainstorming ideas. Okay, following Got so it. far? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So I usually don't use actual hats. I usually use these colored wristbands or like a piece of paper. And my groups aren't six. That's a lot of kids to be in one group. It's usually Agreed. like three. So they typically will be wearing more than one hat. Oh, okay. Okay. But I have them discuss what they're trying to tackle in a very specific way wearing these hats. And it gives each of the students a voice to where normally in a group, you know, you'll see one person maybe even generating all these ideas I'm like, oh, we should do this. We should do this. And then right. the more timid or less confident person in the group just won't say anything because they're probably thinking my ideas are dumb. I'm going to get laughed at, or maybe I just want to check out. Well, this forces them to talk and forces them to think. And I rotate the hats in the group. So I say, we're going to start out with you being this hat and this hat, but after 10 minutes, we're going to change. And so this is a perspective like that they're taking on this ideation. Yes. So I've been vague. Let me be more specific. Okay. So six thinking hats. These are the different colors and what they represent. 
So white hat represents the information available and needed. So these are the facts. Like in an engineering design challenge, you talk about what is the challenge and what are the constraints? That's what the white hat person does. Then the red hat is intuition and feelings. The yellow hat represents the benefits and value. So these are the positive aspects of ideas. Black stands for caution, difficulties, and weakness. So these are the negatives about certain ideas. Green is the hat for alternatives and creative ideas. That's the person generating ideas. Probably the persons that you want to start assigning the green hat is the one that's the loud one in the class that just throws out whatever comes to their mind. Yeah. That's the green hat. <laughs> and then there's a blue hat that's the manager of everything, that the facilitator of the discussion. So they're the one that starts it and finishes it by concluding everything. Hmm. Okay. So how you use this, and there isn't a specific order that you have to go in, but there are kind of recommended ways. And so I'll, I'll say one recommended way of how I use it is I'll put up on the board, okay, this is how you're going to do it. And I'll do an order. I'll just do pictures of the different color hats. So, okay, this, the blue hat's going to start after that, the white hat gets to talk. So every person has their own time to talk and they have a specific job of what they're supposed to do. That's cool. So here's one way that I like to do it. So white hat starts, presents the facts of the problem. Like what is the challenge? What is the constraints? Which everybody should already know. Then the green hat starts talking, generates ideas on how the problem can be solved. And these are the solution ideas. So the main chunk of brainstorming just throws out everything that's on their mind. And the green hat's done. Yellow hat jumps in and starts listing all the positive things about all those ideas. Like, oh yeah, this could work because of this, or this works because we can get these materials or whatever the positives are. After that, the black hat jumps in and gives all the negatives. Be like, no, this won't work because of this, or I hate this. It's a fun job. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's usually a lot easier to be a black hat. Yeah. They can be pretty negative about, about things. One thing to note here is you really don't want to throw in emotions. And this is what like I just said, black hat's like, well, I don't like this. I'm like, no, that's not what a black hat does. Black hat is very intentional about not being emotional about these ideas. You're just throwing out negatives. Hey, we can only purchase five toothpicks. So that idea is not going to work or something like that. It's just very objective, I guess. Yes. Yes. Because the red hat is who I usually say comes next. And that's the emotional one. And that's the one that can say, no, it looks like most people, we, we don't want to do that. They kind of speak for the group. They can even ask others, hey, do you do you think this would work? Do you like this idea? Or, you know, are you passionate about this? It seems like you're passionate or I really want to be able to do this. They can share their emotions about mm. all the ideas. So as you can see, this kind of like whittles things down where everybody has an opportunity to speak, but they have a very specific way to do so. Yeah, that's fun. And I would think it'd be fun for the kids to try on different hats. Yes. So then the blue hat is the one who summarizes at the end. And the blue hat can then decide, I think we need to do another round of this before we switch hats because we have too many ideas or we just whittle down to where we have nothing. Hmm. So, or you can decide, hey, I think we need to switch hats because this order is not working. <laughs> so, right. so uh, fun. yeah. Yeah. So it's been really cool to see how my students are able to use this structure to actually be more creative. And it makes everybody talk, mm. which is yeah. awesome. 
Do you ever have somebody who gets a hat that they're like, it's not their personality, and so they shut down maybe or just don't know what to do? I thought it would be that way, and so I purposefully sometimes will assign different color hats to people. Like the ones who are the most quiet, I will assign them the emotional one, and they've actually really taken it. And I think a lot of that works because I will demonstrate by having a group do it in front of everybody else first. Like, okay, we're going to run through this and you're going to watch this group, how they handle it. And they'll be really dramatic about it. And so they're like, oh, this is fun. Like, I'm just like making up stuff. And it kind of takes the pressure off. Because I think a lot of times kids shut down when they have this pressure of, oh, we got to hurry. We got to get these ideas because we got to, we got to test. And I'm like, nope, we're just focusing on brainstorming right now. We're just, we're just talking. You don't even get to touch the supplies today. So just have fun with it. And that really helps too. Yeah, that is so cool. Yeah. So any other ways that you add student voice to your classroom? I'm going to leave it as a teaser (laughs) (laughs) to come to the STEM con session because my perspective on voice is just different. I'm taking a totally Mm -hmm. different angle. Your focus is more on making sure that all students are heard Mm -hmm. is what I kind of took from that is whenever you're in that brainstorming phase, especially, and you're throwing out ideas, there's always the overpowering students that just will not give the others a chance, right? And so you can accommodate, you know, have smaller groups, do like partners. Whenever you're like whole class discussions, I do think pair share, right? So you think individually, then you talk in partners and then share out. So everybody's at least engaged with the question. But my take is more on the learning part. So when we're teaching concepts, how do I get the kids to really take ownership of their learning? and have a voice in the process and why that voice is so important to learn things. So they're not doing something where I tell them what to do, pour a little of this and do that and build this, right? They are making the decisions and Mm -hmm. I am the guide. And it's a very important job of the teacher. You're not just there as the facilitator. You're not there just kind of babysit. You're there guiding them to where you need them to go, but they think that they're in charge and they should be, but you're kind of there pushing them in the right direction. So It's this balance, and I think that's exactly what you're doing, right? You're facilitating and you're giving them these hats, but it's their voice and it's their ideas, and they are learning really how to, this like SEL side too, social and emotional skills on, okay, I can't be emotional right now. I need to be very objective, and how do I focus on that versus I get to just be angry or happy or, you know, and like kind of regulating emotions. So that is such a cool activity, and I'm I want to like see how we can integrate that more into different design challenges because we often in our products and our lessons, we're like, and then you will brainstorm. Yes. And we just, good luck. (laughs) Good luck interpreting how that should look. Yes. We need a brainstorming product where you're like helping teachers help the students figure out ideas, all this ideation part. I mean, this is really cool stuff. Yes. Great idea. And so I hope we can... encourage people to come to STEMCon and listen to both of our sessions. And I'd love to hear how you do it in your classroom, whoever's listening. How do you facilitate brainstorming? How do you give students a voice? I see what I'm talking about as a lot of the external ways that we give students voices and you're the internal thinking process, which you definitely need both of those. So I would love to hear how others do that and hear more about your topic and your session, Natasha, maybe in another episode. But until then, let's do this again soon.